Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 666. The number 666 is considered by many Christians to be an undesirable number due to a reference in the book of Revelation that identifies this number 666 as the number of the beast, the Antichrist. In addition, some other numbers in other countries around the world are also considered undesirable due to what is considered to be an evil association. For example, the number four is considered to be unlucky in China due to the pronunciation Xi being very similar to their word for death. The number nine is considered to be unlucky in Japan due to the pronunciation ku being very similar to their word meaning suffering. In Italy, some people consider 17 to be an unlucky number. This number 17 in ancient Roman numerals is XVII, and when these four Roman letters are rearranged, they can spell VIXI, which can mean life is over. In several Western countries, the number 13 is considered to be unlucky. However, when viewed by many Christians, the number 13 is 7 plus 6, and this could apply to salvation. In the Bible, the number 7 is sometimes identified with God, and the number 6 is sometimes identified with man. Thus, 7 plus 6, that is God with humanity. This could be rendered as salvation. In any case, this is an edition number 666 of WaveScan, and we continue in our programming as usual. Our primary release date for this edition of WaveScan is Sunday, November 28, 2021. And on the program today, eclipse broadcasts from airplanes and Australian DX report. Next Saturday, December 4, 2021, there will be a spectacular total eclipse of the sun as observed in Antarctica. Several small tourist ships carrying eclipse chasers are scheduled to arrive in the zone of total obscuration in the South Atlantic soon after sunrise. And likewise, special airplane flights are scheduled to fly into the area, some of which will actually land on the Antarctic mainland. For eclipse chasers from North America and Europe, the total cost of this brief excursion into the South Atlantic could be as high as $40,000 per person. Well, here's Ray Robinson now with Eclipse Broadcasts from Airplanes. Thanks, Jeff. Eclipse historians inform us that the first attempt to observe a solar eclipse from an aeroplane took place for an aerial observation of the Great American Eclipse, which traversed the entire continental United States on June 8, 1918. The first occasion was a simple flight into the zone of totality, with no attempt at any scientific research. However, medium wave radio station WMPS in Memphis, Tennessee, laid claim for the first radio broadcast of a solar eclipse from an aeroplane, which took place on July 9, 1945. The specially arranged eclipse flight was aboard a 21-passenger Douglas DC-3, owned by Chicago and Southern Airlines, whose headquarters were in Memphis at the time. Aboard the plane were newspaper reporters and photographers, university personnel and eight astronomy students. 
The aircraft stewardess was Miss Doris Rogers, who had previously served as the office secretary at the historic medium wave station WMC in Memphis, soon after her graduation from high school. A live broadcast of the solar eclipse was made from the plane by Bob Neal, the promotions director at radio station WMPS at the time. Back then, WMPS was looked upon as one of the top ten most progressive radio stations in the United States. The eclipse broadcast from the plane at a height of 12,000 feet was made via a 50-watt Bendix shortwave transmitter on 3492.5 kHz under the call sign KXIU. The program was relayed via WMPS and distributed nationwide for rebroadcast by local medium wave stations, with reception being described as extremely good. These days, the direct descendant of that Memphis radio station, WMPS, is identified with the letters WMFS, with 8 kilowatts by day, 5 kilowatts by night, on 680 kilohertz. The 76-year-old WMPS claim to fame for presenting the first Eclipse radio broadcast from an airplane was printed in the issue of Broadcasting magazine, dated July 16, 1945. However, in the very next edition of the same magazine, Broadcasting, dated July 23, 1945, the more famous medium-wave station KDKA responded with a rebuttal that almost declared, Hey, not so fast, WMPS. We were there before you five years earlier. The KDKA claim to fame for the first eclipse broadcast from an airplane was dated April 7, 1940, and on that occasion the partial solar eclipse was visible along the American-Mexican border, with totality across Mexico. The publicity manager for KDKA, Mr. W.B. McGill, stated that the station log for that date showed that the broadcast was made from a special flight operated by Pennsylvania Central Airlines, whose home base was near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The late afternoon flight at 18,500 feet was staged in cooperation with a very new Buell Planetarium in Pittsburgh, and also in association with the nearby Carnegie Institute, with which KDKA was frequently linked. On board that flight were two KDKA announcers, two radio technicians, and the KDKA Special Events Director, Mr John Paulis. A small low-power shortwave transmitter aboard the plane for the occasion was licensed with the callsign WEMC. We might also add that two other medium-wave stations, WPEN in Philadelphia and WWDC in Washington, D.C., carried a similar broadcast direct from an American Eclipse expedition that was located at Wolseley in Saskatchewan, Canada. However, that program relay from Canada began with American personnel on the ground, not in the air. However, in reality, the KDKA eclipse broadcast from a plane in 1940 was not the first such event either. Back 15 years earlier still, in 1925, radio program broadcasting was quite young and airplane development was still rather primitive. On January the 24th, 1925, there was a spectacular solar eclipse that was visible in the northern United States. For the very first time, radio scientists in the United States conducted a series of test transmissions and propagation studies on long-wave, medium-wave and short-wave during a solar eclipse. 
Longwave signals across the Atlantic from England on 12,500 metres, just 24 kilohertz, were studied by RCA personnel at both Riverhead, Long Island and Belfast, Maine. Propagation conditions for medium-wave and short-wave signals from Schenectady radio stations WGY with 5 kilowatts on 790 kilohertz and 2XI with 1 kilowatt on 4000 kilohertz were studied in New York. Those studies confirm that long-wave, medium-wave and lower-frequency short-wave signals are enhanced during an eclipse of the sun, in the same way as after the sun sets at night. During this same 1925 eclipse, the 32-year-old American Air Force officer, Brigadier General Harold M. McClelland, made a brief flight from Camp Alfred Vale in New Jersey. While in the air, he made a broadcast via a small low-powered radio transmitter that was picked up and relayed to a multitude of listeners by medium-wave station WJZ. At the time, WJZ was owned by RCA, with studios in New York City and a half-kilowatt transmitter at Newark, New Jersey on 660 kilohertz. Now, that 1925 broadcast from a plane via WJZ was indeed the very first broadcast from an airplane in flight during a solar eclipse. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you very much. Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. By the way, Ray says, as you know, KVOH has a sister station here in Simi Valley, California, KWSV LP on 99.1 FM. And we have a news release here that says Strategic Communication Group's 99.1 The Ranch FM station received recognition in mid-November from the Simi Valley Chamber of Commerce. It was named the 2021 Nonprofit Organization of the Year. 99.1 The Ranch began broadcasting from Simi Valley in March of 2015 and currently serves a population of over 1 million people in eastern Ventura County and the San Fernando Valley. With a very popular country music format, 99.1 The Ranch delivers a hometown feel with a professional touch. We are country proud of Simi Valley Strong and serving the West San Fernando Valley 99.1 The Ranch, playing today's country hits and yesterday's favorites with George Strait and Easy Come, Easy Go. Sam Hunt, 23, top of the hour. Welcome, all clocked in, ready to go on a Thursday afternoon. I am John J. Perez Martinez, your local afternoon friend on the radio. Simi Valley. Thanks for listening. 99.1 The Ranch. John Taylor, president of Strategic Communications Group, which includes 99.1 The Ranch and KVOH, says that uh, 99.1 The Ranch is truly a community story. As a nonprofit radio station, it's our joy to serve our business community, our listeners, as well as our local nonprofit organizations in Simi Valley, representing the heartbeat of our great city. And uh, Strategic uh, Communications Group includes those two stations, the uh, the FM as well as KVOH Shortwave, and the Voice of Hope 1287 kilohertz AM in Israel, covering uh, the Middle East, and also uh, Voice of Hope Africa in Lusaka, Zambia. So all of those belong to Strategic Communications Group. Congratulations to them on their 
Award from the Simi Valley Chamber of Commerce. I had a chance to visit the station or the stations there and uh, in Simi Valley a few years ago when the National Association of Shortwave Broadcasters uh, annual meeting took place there. And it's a very nice facility in a, um, a shopping mall in uh, Simi Valley. Uh, the FM, the shortwave, and uh, also the Voice of Hope Zambia are all co-located there with very nice facilities. All right, uh, we have news now from Joe Jacob of the uh, BX, BCDX Net in India, who says that they are celebrating their 33rd anniversary on November 28th. The BCDX Net, as it is known today, was started on November 27th, 1988, by a small group of radio amateurs, including Victor Gunatilika, good friend of ours, uh, 4S7VK in Sri Lanka, and also our regular contributor, Jose Jacob, VU2JOS in India, and others as well. The AirNet is on 7085 kHz in the 40-meter ham radio band every Sunday at 0830 Indian Standard Time, that's 0300 UTC. Before this net was founded, the hams who were interested in radio listening would meet regularly on the ham band and exchange information about radio stations. Later, it was transformed into the DX net. The main purpose of the net is to spread the hobby of radio listening among interested hams and shortwave listeners and to exchange information on BCDX stations. This is to help keen shortwave listeners who listen to long-distance broadcasting stations from various countries in different languages. The specialty of this net is that it has converted many shortwave listeners into ham operators and brought awareness about broadcast DXing among many ham operators as well. Again, it's on 7085 kHz in the 40-meter ham band every Sunday at 0300 UTC. Now let's go to Bob Padula in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to another edition of the Australian DX Report. This is Bob Padula in Melbourne, Australia, bringing to you our latest roundup of news concerning shortwave broadcasting stations around the world. We include information concerning propagation reports, monitoring information, solar activity news, schedule information and other items of interest to shortwave monitoring enthusiasts. A reminder that all times we give in these programs are in UTC, also known as GMT, and all frequencies are in kilohertz. Full detail QSL cards are available for correct reception reports received for the Australian DX report. The address will be given at the end of the program. So now, here is this week's news. Information from the Ionospheric Prediction Service in Sydney, in New South Wales, concerning solar activity, indicates that this is now classified as very low. The 10.7 centimetre solar radio flux has fallen to 97, 97, and the daily smooth equivalent sunspot number has dropped to 44. That's 44. And the IPS further advises that those figures are not expected to change significantly in the immediate future. So it means that high frequency broadcasting on long distance circuits, long distance paths, 
on frequencies above about 10 MHz for darkness paths will not be very satisfactory in the days ahead. However, frequencies above about 10 MHz on daylight paths will be somewhat more reliable. Now some information concerning shortwave broadcasting. Interesting signals noted by our European monitors. Various stations. Transworld Radio India in the Mandari language on 12.075 by the Yerevan Armenia Relay Station 13.15 to 13.30 The transmitter power there is 300 kilowatts and the antenna azimuth is 100 degrees intended to Southern Asia Mondays to Fridays Transworld Radio India in English on 9965 also by the Yerevan transmitting site 1425 to 1440 through Southern Asia that's Hindi Mondays to Fridays and English Mondays to Fridays 1440 to 1510 and the transmitter there is again 300 kilowatts and the antenna 100 degrees Transworld Radio India relaying the Far East Broadcasting Association uh, Station Radio Pakistan in Urdu heard on 9965 also by the Yerevan Almania Railway Station 1540 to I'm sorry 1510 to 1540 daily very good signals to Southern Asia 300 kilowatts and 100 degrees antenna ships are noted in Europe of the station known as Dengay Wellet W-E-L-A-T on 7350 this is by the Usedom Relay Station in France 0330 to 0600 in Kurdish to Western Asia transmitted there is 250 kilowatts and the antenna 090 degrees and a frequency change for the station known as Dimitsi Wayane Tigray also by the Usedom France Relay Station new frequency is 9750 0400 to 0500 to East Africa in the Tigrinya language that replaces 9760 the transmitter is 250 kilowatts and the antenna is 130 degrees 130 a new clandestine broadcasting a new clandestine broadcast is Gromia Media G-R-O-M-I-A Gromia Media using 15340 from the Isidon Relay Station in France 1700 to 1720 in the Tigrinya language 250 kilowatts and 127 degrees antenna the Bible Voice Broadcasting Service the religious station noted via Isidon any stations using that relay now so this is via Isidon in France 15300 in the newer language and new ER 1430 to 1459 daily programs with 100 kilowatts and the antenna 135 degrees 
India. Unscheduled broadcast of All India Radio being noted by European monitors in English on 17710 until 0830, that's 0800 to 0830, on 15030 in Persian to Western Asia and 0834 to 0845 in English to the same areas and 0845 to 0930 in Pashto. 500 kilowatts and 300 degrees antenna. Station known as the uh, the Dengue Wellat, that's W-E-L-A-T, Dengue Wellat, on 11530 by the Gregorio, Gregorio Pole transmitter in Moldova. It's 0600 or 0630 and 0630 onwards in Kurdish. Transmitter is 300 kilowatts, the antenna 130 degrees. Radio Taiwan International in Korean is on the new frequency of 7200 by Payo Chum transmitting site. 1030 to 1100 in Korean to Northeast Asia, 300 kilowatts and 002 degrees antenna. Radio Thailand, HSK9, broadcasting in English on 17640 from the transmitting site in New Dawn Thani to 04, I'm sorry, 0430 to 0500 in Russian and 0500 to 0530 in English to Eastern and Western Europe. Transmitted there is 500 kilowatts for the Russian service and 250 kilowatts for the English service. The antennas 292 degrees for Russian and 324 degrees for the English. Radio Nadarasan International on 9535 broadcasting via the Wolferton, England railway station. 0615 to 0626 in French to West Africa 250 kilowatts antenna, 156 degrees. Power 250 kilowatts and the antenna, 156 degrees. The reception of the station calling itself the voice of the Martyrs on 7530. This is via the telecom Tashkent, Uzbekistan railway station, 1530 to 1600 in Korean daily programs. 100 kilowatts and the antenna 076 degrees. Well, those are a few items from our European monitors thanks to the Radio Bulgaria DX log. And that's all the information in our program this time. We hope you found the broadcast interesting and helpful for your shortwave radio monitoring. Just a reminder that full detail ADXR QSL cards are available by contacting this address. The URL is simply adxr.org. I'll give it once again, adxr.org. At that address you'll find all the details about how you may send in a reception report and you can receive a QSL card via postal mail, that's physical postal mail, or via the internet. So until our next program, 
This is Bob in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Wishing you all good listening and thanks for being with us. Goodbye for now. Thank you very much, Bob. In a recent AWR Wayscan program, we mentioned the Judge Bay VOA station on the island of Antigua in the Caribbean. Ben Dawson of the engineering firm Hatfield & Dawson has provided us with some additional information. He says the antenna system employed in its ultimate operation was a three-element uh, directional array. The transmitter was a Gates BC-50, the same transmitter as had been in the military transportable facility, relocated to a permanent building. The facility was directly adjacent to a medium-wave non-directional beacon, which had already been installed by Pan American World Airways. Toward the end of its lifetime, Ben says, we did some studies about relocating the site to the south end of the island, but of course these never came to fruition when the station's operation was discontinued. By the way, Ben says that he recently redesigned the temporary antenna for the operation of the 630 kilohertz medium wave station in Guam at the Adventist World Radio Facility, an enjoyable project. Before we end today, I want to mention just a couple of reception reports we've received recently. We have a report from Dr. D.K. Sarkar in Hooghly, West Bengal, India, who listened to WaveScan over WRMI on 5950 kilohertz with an SIO 544. He was using a Kiwi uh, SDR remote receiver. Not sure exactly where that was located, but... uh, very nice reception. <laughs> then we have David Ansel, who is a member of the British DX Club. He's in Horsham, Sussex, England. Heard Wavescan on 15770 kHz at 1300 UTC via WRMI. And also Paul Gager in Vienna, Austria. Um, he's also a member of the British DX Club, by the way. He heard Wavescan uh, on 15770 kHz at 1300 UTC from Okeechobee as well, and he heard a wave scan on 7780 kilohertz at 2100 UTC, also from Okeechobee. Thank you, Paul Gager in Vienna, Austria. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio, researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week on WaveScan, radio in Bulgaria celebrates 100 years and our Japan DX report. Several QSL cards are available for this program. Send your AWR and KSDA reception reports for WaveScan to the AWR address in Bangkok, Thailand. I'll give you that in just a moment. And also to the station your radio is tuned to, WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa, or to IRRS Italy, or to the AWR relay stations that carry WaveScan. Remember, too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air here in WaveScan. They will also verify with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The email address for AWR QSLs is qsl at awr.org. The postal address for AWR QSL cards 
is Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, that's P-R-A-K-A-N-O-N-G, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. Again, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. And the email address for other correspondence to Wavescan, not reception reports, is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida, in the USA. Till next week, good listening, everyone. Mm-hmm.